Well, we certainly greet you again in Jehovah Shalom. My, what a blessing. What a blessing. I tell you what, Kurt and I are very close. We work together a lot. He's my accountant, and there's not one week goes by that we don't talk multiple times. And, and, um, Many times, just like this morning, he just speaks peace to my heart. And ah, it's just good to have brethren like Kurt and just to, to bless us. And we've just been so blessed um, again this morning by, by uh, his message or the Lord's message of his peace. And you know, I don't know how you are. I just, when I crawled in bed last night, I was setting my phone. It's just like, God, I just can't believe it. I just can't believe you're doing this. It's just kind of what I said. It's like 2.05. Yeah, I got a whole outline to do again. Go through this whole scenario again. You know, it's just, I'm just going to bed. I, don't even, I didn't even look at the stuff, you know. And, and uh, set my alarm for later than normal because I just uh, at least got to get at least four, anyway, hours of sleep and and yeah, that thing went off. It's like, whoo, yeah. I remember it was late last night when I went to bed. Man, I took a shower. You know what? I just feel good this morning. And, and I do. I just feel good. I, I just feel like, whoo, you know? And, and that's why I just wanted to stand in prayer today. It's just like we have bowed before the Lord and, and we worship Him still, but we've just been humbled that but our, our message just takes a whole different turn today. And, and we'd like to... Can, can everybody see the board okay? Um, we'd just like to just kind of just kind of recap just a little bit here where we've been this week as, as we get ready to go into the, the, the ministry of deliverance. Um, and I think this here kind of portrays almost everything we've talked about this week so far. Uh, we started out that there was there was a, a world view that we talked about. Um, it had three tiers to it. The divine up here. This is where well, this is where God sits. Uh, Jehovah, He reigns there, and all of His attributes we've been hearing about. Uh, and then we have have this this celestial um, uh, tier right in through here, and that's where the angels dwell, and 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 the uh, the hosts. Like Kurt talked about, of heaven and of hell are there, and, and this is a this is a celestial area, but it's also where warfare is. And then down here we have the human level, and, and as we develop that uh, in days to come, we we drew a, another bigger circle, which is the world, and that's what that still is. That's the world that that envelops humanity in, in all of, of its completeness. And then, and then as we as we developed, um, you remember that thing right there, Evelyn? I didn't feel it all in black. It's kind of like blowing apart. Okay, um, um, this this warfare of how of how um, well. Be, let's finish this up first. And this here is the church. This circle still represents the church, not outside of the world, not exclusive from the world, but right smack in the world. Because we are of the world. We still all live here. And Jesus said, that's right where I want you. I want you right in the middle. Now, I drew it a little bit differently today because um, this, this blue line really represents, represents the, um, the world. But I drew a red circle around it today. And that's the armor that we put on. Yesterday, very vital. Yesterday was armor for ourselves, for our personal welfare in this battle of how it affects me and, and how I'm going to engage in that. So, so that's what this is. This red line is, is armor around there. Um, and, and I think we kind of concluded in my mind anyways that, that I think Armor can be, this probably isn't even fair, but, but I think it can about be reduced in, in the way of, 
of our mindset for this week anyways in two words. First is brokenness and second is belief. And that's just you may disagree with that, but I think as we've presented that, that about encapsulates armor. We have to be totally dead, and we got to have absolute belief. Total. And when I say belief, I mean, I mean righteousness, I mean faith, I mean salvation, I mean all of that. We've got to believe it or it is meaningless to us. We talked about that. And then, yes, the lightning streak that boom! Lucifer's last stand. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ abolished his kingdom. It destroyed his power and his work. And I've got that lightning streak coming right down and stopping in the heart. Now this starts developing where we want to go today. And that is the ministry of deliverance. Now today, I'm going to change format yet one more time. We spoke to you about soldiers, and that's what you are. Soldiers. You are soldiers. This is war. This is battle. We have talked about that. Yesterday I addressed you as children. From my heart. Because... It's very, very personal. It has all to do with your life and how it functions day to day. Now, today we're going to talk about how does this affect this and what are we going to do, how is that outflow going to be in the text of Ministry of Deliverance. Now, there's a lot can be said about this circle being inside of this circle. I'm not talking about evangelism today, and I'm not talking about outreach. That all has a part. But the topic I've been given is the Ministry of Deliverance. And that's where we're going to go to today. So, the real question now ends up being, what is this? Is this a, a rest home for saints? Or is this a hospital for sinners? And that's very vital. Very, very vital. <clears throat> the The heart and the sword, as I was meditating on this and preparing for this, represents, this is kind of cheap terminology, but I guess I'm just going to say it anyway. It kind of represents the two, two um, characters or attributes of Jesus. Jesus is Savior, He's also Lord. Jesus is the Lamb of God. He's also the Lion. He's just got sort of two natures. And you can that, that just gets portrayed in a lot of different ways. So He's got this tender heart that tells the child, just come and sit on my lap. He's also got the sword in His mouth that calls the, the false religious leaders, you snakes! how the Lord was. So there's this heart of deep, deep compassion. And there's also a sword that's going to do war. Very, very vital. Very much a part of the church, which is you. That's what I'm going to address you as today, this church. You are the church. My vision is Young people, that you 
are the emerging front force of God in our nation, in our day, in our society. And you are called the church. Don't let that word be bad to you. Don't let it have a terrible taste in your mouth. It is God's chosen people that is to move forward and do His will in this thing called the world. It's a high calling. It's a good calling. And embrace it. Cherish it. And live it. We would like to turn to St. Mark chapter 2. I just, just, just for as you're thinking about that and turning to St. Mark chapter 2, um, ministry of deliverance. You know, a minister really in the Bible, if you look it up, uh, at least most, I don't have a dictionary just to kind of reference all that, but as I remember correctly, minister just means it's a Greek word, diakonos, which is the very word deacon comes from, which simply means a servant. Just simply a servant. So what we want to do is how are we going to be a servant or serve in the ministry of deliverance or be a servant of deliverance? We want to read here in St. Mark chapter 2. We'll just start reading at verse 1. This is speaking of Jesus, saying, Again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. So we see this house just packed full, just jammed. There, there was just like standing room was all gone, people running out the door. And they came unto him, meaning there was some people coming unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. So there was, we get the picture, there was four men, we're going, I, I presume men, four servants, that each one had, had a corner of the bed or whatever it was, and they're carrying this man who was, had palsy. And they're, and they're taking him. <clears throat> And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, that means the house was so full that they couldn't get this sick man into Jesus. And they knew that they had to get this sick man to Jesus. When they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they went up on the roof and they started tearing the roof off. And I just many times thought of that because I'm, I do a lot of remodeling and I know what rooms are. They're filthy, dirty. And I thought this house full of rooms, the shingles start coming off and dirt starts coming down. It's like, what in the world? You know, I can just envision that. And, and, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. So, we see them tearing off the roof, and, and before long, I don't know if they had ropes, I'm not sure what they did, but they let that man down. There's a principle here I want to get to, and I want to be very, very, I want this to be the base principle. These men knew that they weren't physicians. They couldn't heal the man. They knew who could. And they went to extreme, extreme effort to get that man to the man who could heal him. That is very foundational. Church, I want you to take very special note to verse 5. I want you to notice the first thing Jesus seen out of this whole scene. He saw their faith. He didn't see the faith of the sick man. He seen the faith of the four. He seen their faith. 
And he said unto the sick man, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. We're just going to read on. But there was certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. And that's just... We may get some of this a little bit later, but this is, that sounds pretty familiar. Uh, why does this man, uh, uh, why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things uh, in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk? But they that, that know that the Son of Man hath power on the earth to forgive sins, he said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thy house. And immediately he rose and took up the bed and went forth before them all insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, I have never seen anything like that in my life. <clears throat> we want to read just a couple different times here today and one right now. This is a from a ministry of of deliverance and the Lord just has really, really blessed us and getting us this information. We'll talk about that a little bit more. I think I quoted this earlier. One of our favorite sayings here at this particular ministry is there is only one wonderful counselor and it isn't you. Now, I just want you to remember that. Now, that just went over and over and over and over and over in my mind, over and over and over again in the last month. There is only one wonderful counselor and it's not you. True healing is not something that any counselor can give. It is something that must come from God Himself. It is not the counselor's job to fix anyone. It is the counselor's job to guide the hurting person to Jesus and to create an atmosphere that encourages joy, safety, and growth. I see the counselor's role as being like that of one of the friends who brought the paralyzed man to Jesus, which we just read about. They carried the mat he was laying on. They navigated their way through the crowds. They dug through the roof. They got creative and found a way to lower the man to Jesus. And I've got this highlighted, but everything they did had one focus, to get the man to Jesus. This needs to be our ambition as well. It is Jesus who heals. We must understand that. <clears throat> I just got to read something else to you. Where we're going with all this is this right here, this group of armor bound, peaceful living. People called the church has a God-called responsibility. And that is to help people who need help get to Jesus. 
I think that... I can only speak from my own experience. But I sometimes ponder why am I so old and just now really learning this? I don't know. I think God's got a good plan for that. I just want to read something here in this information. And this is, this little paragraph I'm going to read is about this thing called call the church in relation to ministry. This way says, and I'm just reading it so that way you know it's not my brainchild. There are three kinds of churches when it comes to dealing with hurting people. Using imagery adapted from so-and-so, John Wilder, I don't know who he is, you can think of these three different types of churches as three kinds of household appliances. Now, now what he's saying is, I'm, I'm describing three different kinds of churches here in relation to the ministry of deliverance or healing. One's a garbage disposal, one's a vacuum cleaner, and one's a washing machine. So I'll describe what he means here. He's saying some churches are like garbage disposals. These churches just chew up hurting people and spit them out, adding to their trauma, the person's trauma. So they bring them in, they go, chop, 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 and we don't know what to do. Spit them out. That's kind of funny, but I'm telling you, that is real. That is real. Hurting people come in, they hope for help, they hope for deliverance, and a year or two later they're going out hurting worse than when they came in. And that is a scourge to the to the um, God-intended identity of the church. Secondly, vacuum cleaners. These churches absorb people into the body, but they just simply don't do much to help them. They just kind of come in, they're on... They're a part of them, but it's just they just keep hurting and keep hurting, and and people pat them on the back on Sunday. Why? Well, I hope you get better, and and next week we'll see you at church again. And they just they just kind of get sucked in, and they're back in the bag, and there they are. The third one is washing machine, which you can probably soon figure that out. These churches. Now I want you to notice this. This is really. Interesting language. Washing machines. These churches have a grace foundation in practice as well as doctrine. That's those as things that Kurt was talking about. That enables them to involve deeply wounded people and help them wash away the residue brought on by abuse. Yes, I will. These churches have a grace foundation in practice as well as doctrine that enables them to involve deeply wounded people and help them wash away the residue brought on by abuse. It's kind of a big sentence, but I think you can get the essence of that. And I got it. If, if you don't get all that, we can talk about that later too. I don't know. For me, that just spoke so powerfully to my heart. It's just like, where have we been? Where have we been? Yeah, cycle. I so appreciate it. Kurt talked about there. Church without a mission. <laughs> and there you are. And that's Satan's tactic. And we're going to talk about a couple of tactics Satan has against the church in this area. 
But it's like, if that church don't have a heart of compassion, a heart that goes out to the hurting, it's not going to be any help at all. Because that church is not going to try to get them to the healer. If that church has no sense of spiritual warfare, in fact, that's the next thing I got wrote down, I think, here in my... Yeah, it is. Let's just read it. This is just something that just came to my own heart. And, and, and yeah, I'm just going to... One of the things I think that the devil has done to the church, and you remember the other day we talked about the attacks that he has on the church, and, and I still believe with all my heart that that is his primary focus. You know, Andy was talking about aiming that bow, and my son, he's got all kinds of bows, and they got peep sights on, the, on here, and you look at the, at the dots there, and that's right how you aim, and that's exactly what Satan's doing. He's got the church right through that peep sight, and right on that dot, and he's just shooting at it. And I'm going to tell you, if we don't have that around us, we're dead. I think one of the classics that he does, as I've seen it, and I've experienced it, is he gets this church to believe that this don't even exist. And I'm going to tell you what, church, if Lucifer can get the church to believe that, he is happy as he can be. And I'm going to tell you what, he has done a good job of it. I meet members in our church that just, that still, just, I don't know, this whole demon thing stuff, I don't know, I don't know if I can buy it or not. You tell me what help they're going to be to a hurting person. There are many. you got to believe. Here's what I wrote down. The church must have a comprehensive view of spiritual warfare slash existence or it will be no help to the wounded. And I believe that with all my heart. The church must have a comprehensive view a spiritual warfare and its existence, or it is not going to be any help to the wounded. One of Satan's greatest tactics. You remember that's the whole reason that the children of Israel never got to the promised land. It was unbelief. <clears throat> We're going to talk about this three-tiered worldview just a little bit as we talk about how this ministry is going to work. So, we've got a wounded soul that's from out here somewhere. Probably. Or maybe even from in here. We talked about that, didn't we? Might be from right in here. But we get a wounded soul that comes into us. What do we do? There's, there's three parts to this. We're going to spend a lot of time on these three parts, but I think it's very, very pertinent because this is the whole purpose that this whole three-tiered worldview was presented. I just took it a little farther than what they did. But, but when, when a hurting person comes in here into the church to you, the Lord has set up a three-tiered existence here that has direct effect on that. And here's what it is. As you are in this church and you've got a hurting person coming to you, three things is going to have to happen. Number one is, this person is going to have to get connected with the divine in a really, really serious way. Really, really serious. Now, frankly, it shouldn't be any more serious than what we normally do. But for me, it got a little heated up. 
it got a little more serious than what I was normally used to. We've got to get connected to the divine. If we don't get connected to the divine, we're never going to be any ministry to the healer. We've already talked about that. We've got to get that person to the divine, to Jesus. Because He's a healer. <clears throat> Next, we've got to get sorted out. And I mean that. We've got to do spiritual warfare. Because I'm going to tell you, from my existence, it is in the face, hand to hand. Now, you, some of you may never ever experience that. I'm 54 years old and I never ever once experienced it in my life before. But I think, because already in just a few months, it's bubbling up. So, hey, did you hear that? Hey, hey, did you hear that? Some brother over here has got it. Isn't that amazing? Could be a couple reasons for that. Maybe we'll talk about that in a little bit. So we've got to be able to ready to do battle. And that means the full use of our armor. And 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 this is the sword of the Spirit. We didn't even talk about that yesterday, but you all know that quite well. This is the sword. This is the sword. And it does battle. That's the warfare. And secondly, is the human. In ministry, it simply takes some hands and some feet and some bodies to do the work. It takes people. If there's no people available, work don't get done. It's kind of the three-tiered worldview as it pertains to ministry. <clears throat> Sitting with a brother on our my little swing out on the porch here this summer, or this summer, last fall. And he asked the questions, been asking me over and over, and I know several of you here have been asked this. He said, why all of a sudden, in our group anyways, in the new conference, he said, why all of a sudden, it's like, you know, conference last year, there was this young man that, that had demonic things going on. Now all of a sudden, this just dropped into our existence around here and says, What's going on? Why? Where's it been? I never knew anything about it before. I've been asked that over and over and over again by older brother. How come all of a sudden it's just here? I mean, they're almost using that for excuse that that it don't even exist. What is this stuff? And we were sitting there, and I said, uh, I said, you know what an indigo bunting is? Indigo bunting? Nah. I said, I said, it's a little bird. I like birds. I'm quite a birder. I said, indigo bunting. I said, they're all over the place. They're, they're little birds I love. They're birds of the summer, and they're not very big, and they're only about that big, and they're, they're just an indigo blue, the whole thing is. And the reason you don't see them is because they're always way up at the top, or they're always on the highest phone wires, and you just, they're just not overly easy to see. But they're there, and if you get to, if you get to looking for them, you can see, see them. Did you hear what I just said? Discernment. Discernment. I want to just talk about discernment a little bit more again. You know why that young brother never seen an indigo bunting? Because he never looked for an indigo bunting. We were still standing there. I said, yeah, I just described it to him. Talk, talk, talk. We was talking. I said, did you hear that indigo bunting? No, I didn't hear anything. I said, I just heard one. You did? Yeah, I just did. I just heard it. So we talked to him. Like, right there, right there. Hear it, hear it. 
Well, I, I, I missed that, you know. And a little bit later, I, I, we got on to it quick enough. I, goes, I said, did you hear that? I said, you hear that? Yeah, yeah, I heard that. I said, that's an indigo bunting. You know I'd never heard it before? Because he wasn't listening for it. He didn't care. So, another bird. To me, it was something special. That's a neat little bird. I like that little bird. It's discernment. It's just, if you're not looking for it, it's out of sight. Well, yeah. You know what the devil does? We talked about that. He blinds the eyes of who? The unbeliever. And he wants to. Believe you me. He is not interested in this church knowing his tactics. And if he can just simply pull the blind on your eyes to where this is just simply the rest home for the saved, you're never, ever, ever going to see it. In fact, I don't even think it exists. God forbid. Satan's been so so successful. And I've seen this so, so, so many times where he throws out a smoke screen that, that you can't see him and he's back behind it just hiding. I've seen that so many times. He'll throw out something to distract you that you can't see him and you start thinking it's something else and he's back there out of sight. He's right where he wants to see. Out of sight. And the best way for him to do it is just to get you to not believe. Very, very vital. <clears throat> and it takes the Holy Spirit to do that. We did want to turn to First John chapter 4 and just read a few verses. about six verses actually here in 1 John 4 starting at verse 1. Beloved church, I'm just talking to you. I'm talking to myself too. Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets are going out into the world. We talked about that the other day. That, that the devil has just done an incredible job of that. And he's putting them right in here. False prophets. It's for his advantage. Blinding the eyes. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist whereof ye have heard that it should come. And even now already is it in the world. We just want to stop right there a little bit. And I want to tell you, this language is very, very real. Because from our experience is that when, when something comes up, we call it, we kind of almost create our own language. We kind of know what it is. But when something comes up that's not norm, it's like, now what is this? And there's a pretty sure way to know. Do you believe that Jesus Christ come in the flesh? And I'm going to tell you, you get some radical, wild responses if they don't. We hate Him! No, I don't! I mean, it just comes out. This isn't child's play. This is serious. But this is a necessity in the ministry of deliverance, that we be discerning. We read on, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. That is what we talked about yesterday, and I'm talking about Holy Ghost discernment. That is Christ in you. That is God in you. That is power in you. That is resurrection power in you. And gives us discerning power too, as we read there in in Corinthians 2, or 1, whatever that was. 
You have got little children, but overcome them, because greater is he that is in the world than he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. We must have some sort of spiritual discernment from God to even know. That's why we've had situations for years, and we didn't even know it. We go, oh, well, in society, and another one of Satan's greatest tools, and, and I'm not condemning the medical field, but he says, Oh, well, if you got that problem, you need some seizure pills, or you need some headache pills, or some nightmare pills, or some, some uh, blah, blah, blah pills, and some other pills. You know what he wants to do? He wants to camouflage the symptoms. He wants to get rid of the symptoms. Because if he gets rid of the symptoms, he's behind the smoke screen. And you don't see him. Another point. We're talking about the ministry of the church here. And this is emphasized in this book, so I'm talking to myself. Brethren, back there, this needs leadership. And sisters back there, we can't expect our 20 and 21 year olds to take this thing up and charge with it. We need believing leadership. There's this Woman, I, I, maybe I've shared with I don't know what I've shared personally and, and, and publicly here, but there's a, a lady in Lafayette, Indiana, we've gotten contact with by the divine intervention of God, no less, that we have talked with. And she is a satanic ritual abuse survivor, SRA. She's been there, she has done that. It's been years ago, and she's been delivered from it now. And we've had many opportunities to talk to her and and actually met with her at least a couple times. And you know what just excites her? When she finds out that some of us that are involved in this are church leaders. She says, that is so awesome! I just want to bless you in that! That you actually have elders in the church that are interested in it! She just gets so excited! Brother. Let's leave. Let's leave. Too many of them don't even believe. Another point I want to make that's so necessary to church ministry, or the delivery ministry of deliverance, we've got to build a team. You have to build a team. You have to build a team. And I don't even know how to build a team, but all I know is you have to do it. And we're probably getting some of this out of sequence because we're getting down here to some other things that we probably should have talked about at the start. I had to put my outline together in quite a hurry this morning. But anyways, we'll get to that in a little bit. you got to build a team. One person cannot do it. One person will just get isolated. You know what happens when we get isolated? Do you remember us talking about that? Divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. Isolate. Get one out. Get the stray out. Boom! Get you. I'm not saying that it takes us all. I mean, it takes individuals. It does. But build a team. There's got to be a team effort put there. And, and you know, I've, I've heard some, some uh, uh, testimonies here that, that that is done. You know, the other people come in and different things. One person, there's no magic one person that's going to have it all and do it all and can do it all. It won't work. That's why God put more than one person in there. Speaking of team... I just I just look at this whole thing, and I'm telling you, I'm just 
I speak as one. You sound like I've got all kinds of experience, and I don't. I'm just telling you, I don't. All I know is just what I know. That's why I know it. One thing that amazes me is I've watched God work as He's put the team together. And, and you know, and when I say put the team together, it's not like two or three got together and got the whole uh, Ohio directory. Okay, now let's see which one. No, it's not like that at all. It's just simply like someone says, we need to call so-and-so. Okay, call him. And next thing you know, he's there. Prayerfully, prayerfully. That's what I was going to say I'm going to get to in a little bit. But, God puts together the team, really. He does. He already has. It's called the church. You're the team. But the team has different gifts. And that's what's really blessed me. It's just this whole experience. You know, I just, even this morning, I was just thinking back now, if it ever got to where I'd get a call and there was just violent, demonic attack or whatever, there's just certain people I know I'd, they'd be the first ones I'd call. Boom, 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 boom. Because from my experience, it's just like they came in there they are sword yielders. I mean, they can come in there and get some battle done really quick. And they just shine. They just were there. They just took command and they took control in the name of the Lord Jesus and just charged forward in the ground. And I was going, oh, oh, oh uh, They did it. And now as the whole thing's moved on, it seems like now there's some other people that's just moved in. And you know what? They've just got such hearts of compassion. It's just like now that the heat of the battle is just like not raging and roaring. It's just like now they've come in and they're just going to pick that up. And they're caring and they're nurturing and they're taking care of and they're meeting the needs and, and so on. It's all part of it. But I just marvel how God did that. I marvel at that. And I can share some more about that and I'm not going to, but, but yeah, it's just amazing. Just amazing. What God does. And it's just the church. It's just the gifts. It's just the differences in us. And, the, and we're all there. And, and many of you young people have been there uh, with that. And you've exercised in your gifts and talents. And God bless you in that. Something else I want to say. If we're going to be exercising in this, and this should be a no-brainer, but, but it's a reality. <clears throat> if you're going to do spiritual warfare and lead someone to Jesus, you're going to have to know Jesus. And, and I'm going to get right back to where Kurt talked about, about peace. And that thing, you remember what that thing was? He said, if it's not out of there, you will not have peace. And that is sin. I'm just going to tell you, and, I, and Brother Moore even shared this the other day. If you've got sin in there, you're in dangerous ground to go into enter into the ministry of deliverance. One thing is, it may be extremely detrimental to you, and the other is it's going to handle the work. It'll do it. I've seen it. And some of these brethren here will testify. Just to share a personal experience. We was all together, a group of us early on, and, and we was dealing with really severe issues and so on. Uh, uh, yeah. And there was people upstairs praying and different things, and and it just seemed like things were just out of sync. I don't know why. It's just undescribable. But it's just like things just were out of sync. And we couldn't figure out why. And finally some brother went upstairs and just prayed. They just prayed. I don't even know for sure who it was and how long they prayed, but they did. And they came back downstairs and they said... You think there's someone in here that's harboring sin. This was in a room. We were all sitting there. He said, even more specifically, we think the Lord has shared it's an immoral sin. And very tactfully, very lovingly, and very much like a church should work, they just simply said, we just want us to pray. We'll all just shut our eyes and pray. And if anybody in here thinks they may be the one, you just quietly leave. We'll not think no less of you. We'll not think any ill about you. It's just simply something's wrong. 
and that's exactly what happened. It's got to be purity. You've got to know the Lord if you're going to be a deliverer. Very important. Very important. Seems kind of weird that we'd even tell the church that, isn't it? Just don't even seem right. But that's reality. I just got here. Draw the sword. Wield the sword. I'll tell you in, in, in deliverance ministry, this is the king. I just wrote down here, draw the sword. We must, by doing so, we declare war. It may seem easier not to, but in doing, but in so doing, we seal our own defeat. What I'm saying is, church, and I probably should have said this yesterday, when we unsheath the sword and yield it to the devil, you just declared war. And you will have a fight. You will. The burden of my heart is, it's much, much easier to just keep it in the sheath. Much, much easier. This is not a rest home. It's not a rest home. This is battleground. And it's so much easier. And this is probably where legalism comes in really big. And I, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. I'm just saying this is a fact. Because the devil loves legalism. He loves it. But when there is legalism there, then we just keep the spirit of the, uh, the sword of the spirit in its sheath and we can just not have all the trouble. And we know that is nothing but a great big fat lie. It just falls right into what Kurt was talking about today. That endless cycle just starts going and going. And you know what? The devil's darts are just rolling into this place. And this place just turns into itself. And we're fighting each other, tearing each other up. And Satan's just going, ha, ha, ha. He's clear out of sight. They don't even believe in him. I just want you to know, and I probably have shared this already, Satan hates this thing. I can't even tell you how many times the demonic has tried, even when they couldn't even see it, has tried to kick the thing or grab the thing or rip pages out of it. And so on and so on. I mean, really. If nothing else, it's a warped sense of, of um, lost the word I wanted, confirmation. <laughs> I know it's kind of a warped sense, but it was pretty confirming in a lot of ways. And we may talk about some more of that in a little bit. Of the very things that they simply hate. So, there you go. Leaving the sword in, I think, is just simply one of the... Another one I said, one of his tactics is unbelief. Another one is just simply inactiveness. As long as we just keep the sword in and we don't declare war, then we don't have a battle. 
And who of us likes the battle? We like the lazy boy, quite frankly. A book I read, I think it's that book you all are supposed to read. I think it was in that book. I'm not sure. Under Warfare. I think it was that book. I don't know. I read a couple different ones. But they said when they, speaking of armor, they said there's only two. They only mentioned two. One was the Bible and the other was prayer. And I just want to talk about that a little bit. And I know we, we give you that, that description yesterday about what that black witch said. I cannot at all overemphasize the power and necessity of prayer. It has got to be absolutely primary, up front, foremost, It's prayer that connects you to the divine. And without it, you are going to lose. There has to be Holy Ghost praying, collective praying, praying together, praying by yourself, always praying. Always praying. You know, I don't know why God just dropped down a situation right in the middle of a bunch of amateurs. I still don't understand why. But, wow. You're talking about needing to pray because we didn't have any literature and we didn't have any books and libraries. All we had was God. That's all we had. And that's all we need. Yeah, talking about that lady in Lafayette again. Those days we'd call her, text her, send her an email, and we'd be frantic and what do we do and so on. And she'd just say, you need to pray. You need to pray. Just pray. To just be united in the Holy Spirit. She said that, and I want to I talk about that. Maybe I kind of missed that a little bit ago about unity. And, and I did talk about that, I guess, with that one situation. But, but she has emphasized that over and over again. Pray and be unified. Pray and be unified. Make sure the group that's there, whoever it may be, is unified in the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Ghost. Because what Satan wants you to do is divide. Because he knows if you can start fighting each other, then you won't be fighting him. And he's a winner again. And you're absolutely no help to the victim, to the person. Concerning prayer... Sisters, I just want to share this with you. We were sharing it with Anthony and Heather yesterday. This has happened over and over again. And it happened the very first night that we ever got involved. And that was that the girl we've been involved with always has her head covered. Always has. Very, very diligent with that. I tell you, when the demonic comes up, they frantically try to rip that thing off. And they've done it quite a few times. And wad that thing up and clear out of sight in a fist that you cannot get loose. I hate that thing. I hate that power. Kind of a warped sense of confirmation, I know. That sisters be confirmed. Be confirmed. That is not child's play you've got on your head. And it's not church tradition. It's power. It's power. Because of the angels. I don't even know what all that means. I've Pondered that and pondered that and still don't know what it all means. But I believe it. I believe it. I think this would be the last thing that I think I've got here that the church, that Satan has done to the church in this whole thing is he has 
has and tactfully does immobilize the church in fear. Then we'll tell you something. It is real. I think he's done it collectively. And I think he can do it individually. I'm just going to tell you, when you're there in the heat of a battle, and it's like the very voice of the devil is telling you that I'm going to kill you, or I'm going to kill her, or I'm going to kill your family, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that, or whatever. I'm just going to tell you, it tests that to the absolute core. When it says, you just go get some of the blood of Jesus and bring it to me if you think it's real. I want to tell you, if you don't really believe it's real, it can shake you down. Another one. Some of you know this. We're going to wear you out. We're going to wear you out. I'm going to tell you what, back in August we said, No, you're not. In Jesus' name, you're not. But I'm going to tell you, He almost has. And it can strike fear in your heart. I shared with my group the other night that this lady out in Lafayette, her little acronym for fear is simply false evidence appearing as real. And we buy into it. The devil wants us to buy into it. Because if we stall out in fear, then we're inactive. We're not doing anything. We're stalled out in fear. Endurance. I just want to say this one more thing. As you move into the ministry of deliverance, it's, there's almost this fear that I don't know what I'm doing. I'm telling you, it's really real. I don't know what to do. I don't even know how to do this. I've never done this before. I just don't know. I just want to tell you what. Um, which one is the provider, Kurt? Jehovah, the provider. Jairi? Okay, Jehovah Jairi is just one step ahead all the time. All the time. And it still is today. I tell you the contents of this book right here, I don't even know how. I mean, I know how it did, but it's just like it's almost a miracle that it got into our hands because it just starts telling us what happened. It's just like... I've never read it before in my whole life, but it was right there, just right before we needed it. Thank you, Lord. And it's just been that way all the way through. It's just like, you're talking about a bunch of ignorant old country boys, and God says, I want you to do the work. All you need to do is believe in me and be on your face, and I'll take it from there. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, it's real. Thank you, Lord, for providing. Uh, it's just been such a blessing. And trust Him. It gets right back to, 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 to trust. And that gives peace in our hearts that Kurt talked about and Brandon talked about. It, it allows you to have peace there because I'm going to tell you, there's days where there's just not a lot of it. And you just got to be falling on your face and crying out to God. I want to close in Romans 16. Romans 16, 
And I just want to leave this with you and bless you. Here's what Paul says in verse 20. I just want to bless you, church, you young soldiers, with this verse right here. Because I tell you, it's just taken on all new meaning to me. And from where we've been and what we discussed in the last week, it should be very meaningful to you. Verse 20, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. That's not his feet. That's not someone else's feet. The God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen.